All right. Good morning, everybody. Glad to see you. Oh, what am I talking about? I can't see you. You see me. I don't see you. Uh, <laughs> that's coming to a close soon, though. I, I got big news to share. We'll share it in the coming weeks, but big news to share on that. Pretty soon we're going to be, be live. Thank you, Lord. And I mean that. But, for now, we're starting into something new, but we're still on video. So grab your Bible, go to Psalm 111, and uh, we're going to spend a few weeks talking about something a little bit different as we lead into Christmas, and then we'll, of course, do Christmas, and then we'll move on. So, uh, but uh, a quick reminder, as always, this is not church. This is me talking to that camera right there for you to, uh, you know, hear me preach the word unpack the text here and kind of provide a guidance for us to talk around as a church when we come together tonight. So when we come together tonight, uh, and we hope you're part of the we, you're welcome to come. We're in Tempe, Arizona. We'll tell you how to find us if you hit us up online, social media, uh, e- email, website, whatever you want to do. We'll tell you how to get, get to us. Love for you to come hang out with us. Uh, when we do gather, we lay into the word. We talk about the word. Uh, it's very casual. It's just conversation based and, um, really talk about how God is impacting us through what his word says, as well as eating some food and doing some prayer. So come. For now, though, we're starting this new series on kind of emotional health, looking at what the Bible says about personal battles and emotional struggles that we all experience at times and asking the question is it true that i can't help how i feel i can't help how i feel and that's what we're calling the series can't help how i feel so um there's a lot of things that come with that but we're going to start out with the most common of battles i think which is fear or maybe maybe the most common but certainly we all experience it and today i want to show you the reason for fear the reason for fear now it might sound funny uh, isn't fear bad? And, and we'll get into that. But let, let me read a couple, just a couple of verses. And, uh, it's Psalm 111, verse 10, the last verse, and it'll be the first verse of the next chapter. They kind of link together. Actually, they do link together. But anyway, verse 10, Psalm 111 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. In verse 1 of 112 says, Praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Let me pray. Lord, you are amazing and awesome and incredible. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the privilege of being able to open it, to read it, to know it, to memorize it, most importantly, to share it with others. Again, I don't say that just as a pastor. I say that for all of us who call ourselves believers, all of us who call ourselves disciples, that you've given us this great privilege Let us treat it that way, Lord, as a privilege. Today, Lord, we're listening to you, not to me. We're listening to your word. I know my mouth is open, but you're the teacher, you're the preacher, you're the authority, it's your word. And uh, ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So, uh, when I was a young boy, I still do. I like a lot of horror-type things. I don't like, like, major gore and stuff, but I like a, uh, a twisted dark tale, you know. Uh, there used to be a TV show when I was a kid called Tales from the Dark Side. Some of y'all may remember that one. But it was kind of a macabre horror show uh, that came on TV. And the intro was filled with all these images of trees and shadows and kind of creepy outdoor spaces. And the narrator said this, Man lives in the sunlit world between what he believes to be reality, 
But there is, unseen by most, an underworld, a place that is just as real but not as brightly lit, a dark side. I can't say it's as cool as he did, but, you know. <laughs> but everything from the Twilight Zone to Stranger Things, they, they all have this kind of parallel dark place uh, of existence. And sometimes you may feel like you flipped there. Sometimes you may feel like you, you, you yourself have flipped into one of those places. Things are shadowy. Things are gray. Uh, maybe even there's monsters, so to speak, and you don't know how to get out. Or, or how to see color in life again. Or how to, how to feel the warmth of the sun and, and find a reason to smile. Maybe, maybe that's you. And since this is the first of the series that we're beginning, that we're going to get to fear here in a second, let me hit on this theme of can, can, I, can I not help how I feel? I can't help how I feel. Let me just lay into that for a few minutes. Um, maybe you feel like you're not you anymore. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're not real i don't i don't even feel alive i remember when cutting was a thing maybe it still is but people would cut themselves and they said so they could feel alive you, you, maybe you feel like you're just a shadow of you and the light might be there the light might be there but you're only the reflection in the water you, you, you're not you're not really you like you've flipped into the upside down so to speak or you're trapped in the dark side and you see the world but you're just a shadow that passes unnoticed or unwanted even. Can we help how we feel? Can you help that? Does sin in our DNA, does it make us have to accept that we have design flaws in that way? For instance, I can't help it. I was born angry. I was born with a, with a sense of hatred or whatever else. God created us with emotions, first of all. Let's get that out there. Not as robots. He created us with emotions, not cold and methodical, but to feel and express ourselves through our feelings as well as through speaking. He gave it to us. The problem is that the fall has messed up the way in which we use our emotions. The way in which we deal with our emotions has become fallen. That is, in fact, the case. Jesus hadn't displayed emotions, anger, joy, stress, but he wasn't controlled by them is the difference. And God even defines himself by emotion, uh, and emotion anyway. God is what? Love. You know the verse, 1 John 4, 18, or 4, 8, God is love. So to be, excuse me, so to be a new creation, that's what we call a Christian, you're a new creation in Christ, it's having emotions but they're working in perfection as God designed them and not controlling us. That's the thing. So does that mean fear is God's design? Or is it a sign of weakness? What about sorrow? Is that God's design or is that just a product of sin? What about anger? Is that God's design or is that some kind of character flaw from sin? Let me just note that God, that Jesus displayed all of those during his life, but he was sinless. But when our sinful nature takes hold of our emotions, this is when the struggle happens. We, we, we 
definitely experience suffering when that happens. And it's in a very unique and painful way when emotions are what's causing it. And, and chains seem to appear almost. We feel the weight of chains that hold us. And it's where addiction comes in. And addiction becomes real. And whether it's drugs or depression or pride or whatever it is, whatever affects our emotional health, we can become addicted to it. And even when it's painful, we become addicted to it. And sometimes that addiction is simply because the pain seems too great to even consider leaving it. What, what, what it must take, man, the thought of what it must take to be free of it causes us to, to, to depend on it more instead. And if you've ever been addicted to any kind of substance, you know exactly what I'm saying. I'm case in point. So at, here at our church, at SRCC, we want to give you hope. We want to give you hope. If you're in that category, hey, we want to give you hope. Not to rule out getting help, certainly professional help if that's necessary. Not to rule all that out or call it wrong or over, not that. But just to present you with the light that is truly at the end of the tunnel. And it's not a train. It's the Son of God. It is the Son of God who created you. And then loved you so much that he died for you to set you free from those chains and those things. We want you to truly know what life is. And as Jesus said, not just life, but abundant life. Joyful, excitement life. And though you may face some battles, there's hope that's so great that it's worth facing those battles. All right? That's, that's why. So the question's the same one Jesus asked. Uh, Mary, when her brother had become sick, Lazarus had become sick and died, and Jesus wasn't there, um, Jesus asked Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? A little more in there, but just to the point. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? That's the key to everything. He put her attention on him and said, do you believe in me? All right. So today we're looking at fear. All right. Of, of these things. We're looking at fear. And if you know me, you know my fear. Jaws ruined me as a kid. Destroyed me. <laughs> but maybe yours is spiders. Maybe yours is snakes. I, I don't know what I remember being with some pastors driving in a, uh, these four seat razors zooming through uh, Tennessee countryside years ago uh, up in the mountains. And somebody saw this big, large snake and said something about it, and so we were going to go, we were in two or three of these razors, and a group of us were going to go back over and look at the snake the other group saw, but one of the pastors in our razor said, not a chance, we're not going over there, because he's petrified of snakes, and he wouldn't even let us go over there in the razor, not even if we didn't get out, he didn't want to go see it, um, and maybe your fear is not so simple as just an animal, maybe your fear is a little more complex than that, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a father or maybe it's a mom. Maybe it's your husband. I don't know. Maybe it's not a tangible thing. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's isolation. Maybe it's abandonment. Maybe it's failure. Maybe it's something that's seriously life-threatening like cancer. Or homelessness even. Or starvation. Maybe it's one of those things. So all those things, we, they could be serious or they could be silly. But is it okay to fear them? How do we handle that fear? Is there a reason for fear? Obviously, we're equipped 
with a rational fear. That's true. We're equipped with a rational fear, and that's for our good, such as hearing, as I have, a rattle while you're hiking. <laughs> you know, you should it should cause you to pause a moment, and, and it might even send a chill up your spine. Maybe it should. That sound and that moment of fear are for your safety, both you and the snake, because the snake's afraid too. Uh, but how you respond next, calmly backing away or absolutely panicking, okay, that's another kind of fear. This is what we're talking about. So what is a healthy fear? What's the reason for it? So today, though fear is often, 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 if not always, seen as a negative, a weakness, the Bible displays it as something that produces wisdom and blessing. When we put... It in proper perspective and direct it towards the Lord, wisdom and blessing come from it. So that's what we're going to look at. Two things. Fear gives us wisdom and fear grants us a blessing. Okay. So first fear gives us a wisdom or gives us wisdom. Psalm 111 verse 10. Verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praises endure forever. So now that's kind of funny because it says practice it. Practice the it meaning what? Practice wisdom or practice fear? What's the it connected to? Now, if you have another translation besides ESV, it might read different because they they do. Several read different. Let me give you a few. New King James says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. Put the word commandments in there. Uh, Christian Standard Bible says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his instructions have good insight. All right, they put instruction in their complete Jewish Bible, uh, Hebrew translation of the Jewish Bible. It says, which is the original in a sense, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his instructions have good insight. Or excuse me, that was CSB. I read it twice. Complete Jewish Bible says, the first and foremost point of wisdom is the fear of Adonai or, or the Lord. All those living by it gain good common sense. Uh, and then the message is another one. The good life begins in the fear of God. Do that and you will know the blessing of God. Now the message is just a, it's not a translation, but it's a, it's a paraphrase of the Bible. So, but in, in both cases, those last two, um, they're addressing the fear of the Lord. And I believe the most simple translation from the original Hebrew that it was written in, I believe the most simple translation is the way the Jewish Bibles is wording it. The it is living by the fear of God. It is living by the fear of God. So those who do it live by the fear of God. That's the one. And I believe it's something unique to God and his word. And we're too quick to weaken that word fear uh, into just respect or to over-empower it as abuse. But the fact is it sits in the middle somewhere. And there's two scriptural truths that define, that explain the fact that they're both there. For instance, Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus right now. So don't live in fear in that sense. Right now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But Proverbs 9.10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Both are true. A great example is John, the person, John the, the apostle and the disciple. In the, uh, at the Last Supper, you see John laying his head on Jesus' chest. I mean, they were super tight. Uh, he was that comfortable around Jesus. 
But a few decades later, John is on Patmos and he sees Jesus again. And this time he sees him in Revelation 1. And what he sees of Jesus is a, a diff- still Jesus, still the same Jesus. But this vision of Jesus grips him with fear. Same one. So what about First John four eighteen? I know there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. See there? If, if you have true love, you shouldn't have any fear, because love casts out fear. Well, that's true, but you've got to put it into context. Verse 16, so we just read verse 18. Verse 16 of 1 John 4 says, So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God, for us, first of all, we're talking about believers. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So this is talking about the believer who lives in love because God lives in him. And then he says, by this love is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for what? The day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in this world. So he's saying when he talks about no fear, he's talking about the day of judgment. There not being no fear in the day of judgment because we know the Lord loves us. The Hebrew word for fear, though, it's a broader word than just terror and respect. And I believe the fear of God, as I said, it's in a unique place. It's, in some sense, both fatherly respect and terror of great power or of things beyond our understanding or comprehension. It's a, it's a, all those things, but it's also in the context, which is, is very important, in the context of knowing, if you're a believer, that God loves you and gave himself for you, and there's no judgment to fear. So, so it sits in all of that tension, but this brings up a point. If we should live by the fear of God, then there clearly is a reason for fear. If we should live by the fear of God, then there clearly is a reason for fear. There's a design in us having that emotion, a design in it. How can fear be something so useful that we should live our lives by? Isn't it weakness? Obviously not. Again, context is key. Go back to Psalm 111. Uh, back up to verse 5. We're just not going to go through them all, but we'll skim through a handful of these really quick in the chapter. Verse 5. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. Isn't that interesting? He uses the word fear right there. Not he provides food for those who love him. He provides food for those who obey him. No, he provides food for those who fear him. Fear him. How does fear lead to him providing food? How does fear lead to wisdom? That's what we're talking about in the first place. We'll look back. Here's the key to me, verse 6. He has shown his people the power of his works. Just pause on that a minute. He has shown his people the power of his works. Have you seen the power of his works? What does that make you do? Go watch NASA fly a rocket into space and barely scratch the edge of it. What does it make you think? Verse 3. Full of splendor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. Verse 4. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. Uh, Verse 8. They, his works, are established Firmly founded forever and ever. Verse 9, he sent redemption to his people. He commanded his covenant forever. 
He, holy and awesome is his name. Look back at verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord, studied or pondered by all who delight in them. That's, that's the key. God's works are mentioned five times in this chapter, and the eternity or forever is also mentioned five times in this chapter. Both should be overwhelming. When you ponder the God of eternity, and you ponder the eternity in which God exists, when we study what he's done now and continues to do and what he's done in the past it should fill us with this excitement and yes we should shudder just a little bit we should become overwhelmed and in a godly way even a little bit fearful even a lot bit fearful at times but that fear then becomes a source of wisdom well how so well we begin to live our lives in the context of that fear for instance man should i should i do this sin fill in the blank i don't care what it is beat somebody up you know, should I do this sin? Well, not a chance. Why? Because I, I live in the fear of the Lord. Well, should I make this decision to do this or to do that? Well, I live in the fear of God. So I'm going to go to him for wisdom rather than just deciding for myself. Money's so tight, man. Money's so tight. Where are we going to get the money to pay the bills? Uh, man, how are we even going to eat? Should I steal? Should I cheat? Fear of God reminds me that he alone provides the air that I'm breathing right now. How much more so can he provide the food that I need? That's what causes, that's what, that's how wisdom, excuse me, comes from the fear of the Lord. Knowledge comes from the development of your brain, but wisdom is something divine. God provides it and allows you through it to know how to honor him with your increasing knowledge. So, you don't have to focus on the problem. Here we go. You don't have to focus on the problem. Don't focus on the worry. Don't focus on the fear. Don't focus on the anxiety of whatever it is. <coughs> Excuse me. Trying to determine how you're going to fix it. Your focus instead should be on him. Let your fear of the object or whatever it is that you've placed that fear on, allow that fear to begin to move and sit on him instead, which sounds bad. But remember, it's not the same kind of fear. As you focus on him alone, that fear starts to change. As you keep looking at him and thinking on him, that fear starts to change. It grows in a healthy way. And then other things really begin to seem small compared to him. Suddenly these things that you were afraid of, like a snake or a shark, I'll go on and say it for me too. I'm, all those things suddenly become small when you realize he created those and he's infinitely bigger than those things, whatever they may be. And then that starts to cause joy, like a blessing comes and that's where we're going next because chapter 111 and 112 are linked. So look at uh, verse 1 of 112. Fear gives us wisdom. Fear grants us a blessing. Look at this. Praise the Lord. That's a demand, just a celebration. Praise the Lord, blessed or happy, joyful. Joyful is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments or his word. Blessed or praise, blessed, happy, delight, all associated with fear. Let that sink in a minute. Praise, blessed, happy, delight associated with fear. I can't help how I feel. I'm afraid. Praise, blessed, happy delight associated with fear. 
How so? Well, we already talked about that a bit, but here we find out how to access that healthy fear of the Lord and how to live by it. How do we access it and how do we live by it in order to gain that joy? You want joy even in the scariest of times? You want that blessing that comes from fearing the Lord alone? Notice what it's connected with here. Notice what fear is connected with right here. His word. His word. Right here. His word. Not just, hey, not just those who own a copy. Well, I got it in my house, so I'm, I'm good there. Not just those who own it. Not even those who read it. Not even just those who read it. Not those who talk about it. That's not what it says, right? Not those who talk. Not even those who carry one to church and listen to me or somebody else preach it. Nope. What does it say? Excuse me. Those who delight in it. Do you love it, man? Do you love it? Just find such joy in being in it. Specifically here, he's talking about the law. When he says the commandments, the the laws of God that he gave to Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, back in there. Um, but the language is meant to consider all of God's instruction. So that would be all of Scripture. So all of God's instruction really is what... But, but has it ever occurred to you that God's law itself, those chapters of the Bible, those books of the Bible that most people find heavy and weighty and hard to understand and, and whatnot, has it ever occurred to you that, that that might be something to delight in? Read Psalm 119 sometime. Listen to me. If you delight in God's law, fearful as it might be at times, then you certainly would live by wisdom and be blessed. You certainly would. And you're, and and I'm not talking about being saved from sin because of it. It's not what I'm talking about. But because you have been saved from sin, you are loving it and wanting to live by it. So let me close up here. How do we respond to this? Well, let me summarize. First of all, fear of the Lord is a good thing. It is a good thing. All right. Our fallenness has created, or excuse me, it has not created fear. Our fallenness has not created fear, but it's assigned it incorrectly. So in fact, the one that we're told to fear, the only one we're told to fear, the Lord, uh, most people, uh, for them, they don't fear him at all. They don't even consider him. Um, even with Christians, sometimes it's pretty sad, but there's no real fear of him at all. And there shouldn't be in a judgmental sense if you're a Christian, but don't write it off completely. Like, we shouldn't do it at all because the Bible tells us that we should fear him and that we have that emotion for that purpose. We should fear him. And in fact, it's where wisdom begins, it says. It's where wisdom begins is with fear in the Lord. So fear itself can't be wrong, but it's the assignment of that fear that is wrong. Hear me right here what I say. Hear this. Listen to me. Hear me clear. Fear. Fear is faith in the power of something or someone over us or over you. Now, that's my own definition. But fear is faith in the power of someone or something over you. Whether that's being eaten by a shark, attacked by a snake, you know, uh, you know, hunted by a demon, dropped in a plane crash, whatever it is, something or someone's power over you. And the thing is, our faith should be tied in with our fear. Our fear should be our faith in only God over us. That God alone is the power over us. 
God is the something and the someone. God is the power that is over us, and our faith, our fear should only fall on Him. Why? Well, I give you two quick verses. Acts seventeen twenty four. The God who made the world. Memorize this one, by the way. It's a great one. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heavens, of the heavens and the earth does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life, breath, and everything. I'm not even going to unpack that. Just hear that like it said. Go read it again. Job chapter 1, verse 21. He said, Naked I came in my mother's womb, from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hey, life and death come from God. Worship him. So stop placing your fear in things that are created. Yes, you can. I'm with you, man. I know it's a struggle, but I know that you can. Stop placing your fear in the things that are created. Start placing it in the creator. Practice this by reminding yourself of all that he's created. Remind yourself that he is the one who created all things. All right? And then remind yourself of all that he has done. Within his creation. Actively involved. He didn't create it and walk away from it. And then consider his awesomeness. That sounds funny, but just do it. Just consider his awesomeness awesomeness, and let go of fearing other things. Because man is he infinitely stronger, bigger, and better. Learn to see him in his word. Learn to see him in his word. Not just the happy moments and the Christian bumper stickers out there. The verses that are plastered on every church sign over and over and over again. But all of his word. Get in there. All of his word. Even the parts that are hard. Even the parts that are scary. Even the parts that might make you wrestle with your faith a little bit. And your theology a little bit. Get in there on those things. Because suddenly those things might make you a little fearful. But that fear becomes healthy and honestly a bit addictive and you start to delight in him because you realize, wow, he's bigger than I thought. And then you start to love his word. You want to be back in his word. I want to know more of him. Listen, man, that's where it starts right there. That's where it starts. So maybe you don't know him. Maybe you haven't surrendered your life to him. Maybe, Maybe I'm saying all this and you're hearing it, but you've never given your life to Christ. Let me tell you something. Fear often controls all of us. But the greatest fear of all, I think, without hesitation, the greatest fear of all is the fear of death. Yes, it's that pain when death comes, that fear that of what that must be like, the fear of what the last breath must be like, the fear of what the last heartbeat must be like, the fear of what comes after, what's next, what's on the other side. Uh, only one person has come back on his own power to tell us. The one who created us, Jesus Christ, the one who created us is the one that's come back. And the good news is, in doing so, he has taken away the sting of death. He's taken away the power of death. He's taken away the victory of death. It's no longer something you have to fear because it doesn't have to hold you anymore. That's what the cross and the grave was about. That's what his death and resurrection is. It is the good news that if you put your faith in him, that death is no longer something to fear. And that's exactly how it happens. You put your faith in him. You trust 
that nothing you do or can do will be good enough to defeat death, to stand before God. Nothing, but you can trust that what he has done is enough, that he is who he says he is. Can you do that today? Tell him. I can promise you it will it will change you and it will take fear out of your life and place it where it belongs. Lord, I love you. You are an amazing, incredible God. Thank you for your word and the privilege of teaching it and preaching it and learning it. Help us all, Father, to be obedient to you. Help us uh, love you with our whole heart, Lord, and help us be able to live in a fear of you that guides our decisions and our steps and our behavior for your glory. And uh, God, we love you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.